summer, 1986, near San Antonio, Texas. When I wanted to find out how far it was from the driveway of my childhood home to where Ford Orb used to be, I just asked my smart speaker, you know, Siri or Alexa, how far is it from San Antonio, Texas to Monterey, California? It took about three seconds. And in that same period of time, I got the map to where Ford Orb used to be on my phone, just like that. Well, 35 years ago, in a 1973 Toyota Celica, my whole navigational plan, and this car with no seat belts, no air conditioning, no spare tire, no business making a cross-country trip, it was drive until you see the Pacific Ocean, and then turn right. Welcome to Light Fighters, the last foot soldiers of the Cold War. In the late 1980s, a group of young men who grew up without computers, cell phones, and social media will help end the Cold War. This is not based upon a true story. This is a true story. Ah, uh, yes. There is a story coming up. I don't know if she was a West End girl, but she was the first girl I met in the West. Coming up later in the podcast. Welcome back. My name is Jason Diaz. Well, I've been thinking about it, and what I've decided is that we're going to continue doing episodes, but for me, I want the last episode to be on Veterans Day 2021. Quick shout out to Sergeant Doyle Kruger. Such a great phone call. Man phone calls still can't be topped by texting and social media. So great talking to Sergeant Kruger. He's going to join us for that show about the deployments of deployments, North Queensland, Her Majesty's Australia, Alpha Company, Townsville, Australia, Tully, Australia. What a month, November 1987. Can't wait to do that. And so we'll do our final episode on Veterans Day. I do want to tell y'all, if, if you hear me say something like a date or a name or something that is wrong, please let me know. I, I welcome all corrections and edifications. But before you do that, I would ask that you actually listen to the episode first. No big deal. That's all I want to say about that. All right. The car, 1973 Toyota Celica. I mean, piece, literal piece of junk. The plan, because it was August in Texas when I left, it's you know 105 degrees every day, and no, it's not a dry heat. It's a brutal, oppressive, you know, humid heat. But no big deal. I'd lived in San Antonio most of my life, all my life basically. Had just finished 10 weeks at Fort Sam Houston's 91 Alpha Combat Medic course. I actually wasn't even worried about air conditioning. I had this plan that I would drive at night. I would drive at night and sleep during the day in the heat of the Sonoran Desert in a metal vehicle. This was not fiberglass. This was the 70s um, car technology. Metal built around a steering wheel of five, what was it, five on the floor, you know, reverse, down to the right. This car had no business making this trip. Well, the plan falls apart on the first night. I'm falling asleep. I can't keep my eyes open. And so I pull into a rest stop near Fort Stockton, Texas and just kind of sleep it off, you know, wake up the next morning, um, head out, and this is going to be the longest leg of the trip. I, I checked this one, too, on uh, Google or whatever, on my iPad, and 915 miles I drive 
Friday, August 1st, 1986, 35 summers ago, and it's going to end, it's going to end at a Motel 6 in Indio, California, in between, in between, I find out, despite living in Texas all my life, that Texas has two time zones that start in El Paso. I drive through El Paso, I go into New Mexico, and then into Arizona. Now, I remember, despite all my great plans to drive at night, here I am driving through Arizona in August in a car with no air conditioning. And I had brought along this little igloo cooler. Remember those? You pressed the little buttons in on the side as you folded it down. I had this ice that I I'd packed with Capri Sun, those little drinks with the fo- in the foil with the little yellow straw, and you had to aim it while you were driving. You punched it into the thing, so you could drink. You know, Capri. They were like lukewarm. It is the it is the middle of the afternoon in the Sonoran Desert. I get through Phoenix, uh, or I guess I guess Tucson was first. I guess Tucson, and then into Phoenix, and then I'm heading for California. When I when I crossed into California. I grew up as a 70s and 80s kid thinking of California, first thing you think about, Hollywood, you know, and movie stars and stuff like that, the Beverly Hillbillies. And this is not what I think California is going to look like. It is the desert. I mean, not even more desert than Arizona had been, you know, where I thought they filmed the Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner cartoons. This is the barren desert. I, the first town I come to is the town of Blythe, California. When I get there, it must have been, you know, after dinner time because the sun was setting. The entire sky is this, you know, brilliant alien Star Trek, Star Wars shade of orange. I pull into Blythe to get gas. If you're listening to this podcast because your parent or grandparent was a light fighter, we did not pay for gas at the pump. In 1986, you went into the Quickie Mart or the 7-Eleven or whatever, uh, the Texaco. Can I get $10 on pump? Well, geez, my car, tend to forget that. On pump three, you put your gas in. Well, I, I walk in to pay, and walking out of the little store part of the gas station is... Uh, there's only one way to describe her. When I Many, many years later, when I saw those Transformer movies... Megan Fox, I was transported back to Blythe, California. I mean, just, I wish they all could be California girls walking out with the orange background and the dust. And here I am, 18 years old, and we're going to walk right by each other. And I'm instantly smitten. She looks at me and says, hey, you want to buy some grass? Those were the first words ever said to me in the great state of California. To God be the glory. It's a true story. Not based on, on a true story. That is the true story. Well, I head out of Blythe, and like I said, I, come, I my, end my day in Indio, California. Uh, I call my mom using a handful of quarters. Hey, I made it. I'm in California. Everything's fine. Um, I, she asked, where did you sleep last night? I said, well, I just you know, slept at the rest stop. She said, no, get a room, this kind of thing. You know, you know, take a shower. You know, stay alert, stay alive. Got a thing. And I, I did. I got a, a room at the Motel 6 in Indio, California. It's probably still there. When I get up Saturday morning, I head out. Like I said, my plan, when I see the Pacific Ocean, make a right, head north. That happens. Somehow I end up in a place called Solvang, California. It's still there as well. Uh, that's the first time my car just, it dies. It won't start. 
it's getting probably, I would say this could be late afternoon, maybe 5 o'clock on a Saturday evening. And so my battery's dead. And again, there's no road club to call. There's no roadside assistance. There's no GPS. No cell phone. Well, I look down the street and see a Napa auto parts store. And I go down, and the guy is literally closing the store with the keys. You have to go on the front door. And I say, hey, my, my car's dead. I'm trying to get to Ford Ord. This guy unlocks the door, gets a battery, brings it to me, puts it in for me. I didn't even know how to put in a car battery. I'm 18 years old. And I'm on my way to what I think is the fastest route to Fort Ord, California. Well, if you've ever been on the Pacific Coast Highway, this is like a scenic drive. You don't ever get over 30 miles per hour in some places. It is twisting and turning and white knuckling. And again, I'm in a car with no seatbelt, brakes that are probably original, tires that I am certain are factory issue somewhere in the empire, the former empire of Japan. And the first real town or city I remember is Seaside, California, that all of you light fighters will fondly remember Seaside, California. A little more, a little more ghetto than Marina and a lot less Mexican than Salinas. And there are no rooms. There, there's a race going on at a place called Laguna Seca. I've never heard of it. Uh, one of the episodes coming up is going to be me attending the, the papal mass, Pope John Paul II, the last pope that everybody liked, against all odds, comes to, not Fort Ord, but if you, where Fort Ord ends, Laguna Seca begins. In 1987, Pope John Paul II comes to give a mass for the farm workers of Central California. And and myself and some of the guys from the unit attend a mass of 50,000 people. That's an upcoming episode and a great one. Well, anyway, again, back to August 1986. I've made it to Seaside, but there are no rooms. There, I, I don't know how to get to Salinas. I don't even ask about Salinas. I've already passed Monterey. And the guy says, well, if you keep going up I, Highway 1 a little bit, you'll come to Santa Cruz. And they've got a lot of hotels up there. And that's what I do. On my way from Seaside to Santa Cruz, that's when I first saw that the sign that we've all driven under hundreds of times, lit up by those mercury vapor lights they had at Fort Ord, and it's contrasting with the fog. And I see Fort Ord, California, home of the 7th Infantry Division, and I'm driving by it, and I can see it on the right, and I'm like, Man, I made it. I made it. I made it on Saturday night, just like I had planned. Forget about falling asleep at the wheel and the car breaking down or whatever. I went on to Santa Cruz. I remember it was when I woke up on Sunday morning. The Dallas Cowboys were playing the Chicago Bears in Wembley Stadium in England. It was a big deal. Nobody tweeted about it. Nobody YouTubed it. it but it really happened. Walter Payton. Gosh, Walter Payton played in that game. And oh, by the way, the Bears won. On Monday morning, August 4th, I get in my Toyota Celica and without incident head back south towards Monterey in the Monterey Bay. And remember that crazy like circle you had to do, like, do like a big U-turn to get into Fort Ord? I navigate it beautifully and I arrive at Fort Ord, California. Monday morning, August 4th, 1986. Well, every great story has a setting, and though the light fighters of the 4th Battalion, 21st Infantry are going to go all over the place, all over the country, all over the world, 
the, the setting is Fort Ord, California, and so I wanted to share some observations that I remember distinctly thinking about when I got there. When I got orders, when I was in Texas at Fort Sam Houston in the summertime of 1986, and got orders to Fort Ord, California, California was all I heard. I'm thinking, again, movie stars, laying on the beach after duty hours, surfing, you know, swimming, just soaking up the California sun. I went out and bought at the mall um, a clothing line that some of y'all will remember. It was called Ocean Pacific, OP for short, not OPP, OP, Ocean Pacific. And, of course, you get to Fort Ord, and I did not expect to be cold in August in California. And so one of the first things I had to do was, I, I, that's how I found out where Salinas was. I went and bought like a windbreaker, uh, like an Adidas. I loved, I, I mean, I was not in the mafia. I was not a member of Run DMC, but I loved Adidas sweatsuits. And the one I had was more of a windbreaker. I needed more of a, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a heavier fabric. I did not expect, not like freezing cold, but not, you don't want to be out in shorts at night in Monterey. It's cold. And the water, I'm a very strong swimmer to this very day. Swimming in the Monterey Bay, forget about it. Not going to happen. You don't, no one had to tell me that, by the way. I'm looking at the water. I'm feeling the temperature. It is thundering loud down by the post. My roommate and I, I met Jim Benola the next day, the 5th of August, my roommate. He was from New Britain, Connecticut, Jim Benola. If you had a bad roommate, then you know what I'm talking about. He was the best roommate. We just, even though he was a Yankee fan um, and I was a Red Sox fan, uh, it would, we were the same generation. We liked the same things. He was athletic, and he was a good soldier. I mean, he, he did a career. He, he, I think he got out as an E8. He did a whole career, 20-plus years, multiple post-September 11th deployments. We'd go down to the beach on one of the first nights. And I mean, I'm thinking it is cold. There's no way I'm going to try to go swimming there. I mean, the water would get, I'll never see you again. First, and so it's like, wow, this is, and then I noticed something else is happening about three o'clock every day at Fort Ord. You know, it's like, duh, you can feel the air temperature change, you know, and but as we got more gear, I would go up in the mid-afternoon and put on my Gore-Tex in anticipation of this sometimes, or the brown sweater that you could wear underneath your BDUs when you were in garrison, is this Creepy gray fog would just descend and fill up the streets and cover the parking lots every afternoon at 3.30. It was, it was not at all what I thought California was going to be. And I will admit, in the beginning, in the first few days, maybe the first week, I was a little disappointed. Well, you know, any, any, too much of any one thing is not a good thing. Well, I find out about the mall, and hey, there's another place you can go, Salinas, and I kind of know where Seaside is, and I've been to Santa Cruz already. And for whatever reason, you would get 10 minutes outside the post, and, he, and this is the beautiful sunny California that you've heard so much about, you know, the California raisins and all of that stuff. It is produce, produce, and when you're out of produce, more produce. Whether you know it or not, if you don't live in California, you've probably had strawberries or blueberries or raspberries or lettuce or something. And if you looked at it, was from this particular place. It's from Watsonville, California. Just And it's just made. This, people are growing vegetables there for generations because it is the perfect place to do so. As soon as I figured out how to get places beyond Fort Ord, it was beautiful. 
it was it was exactly what I'd hoped for uh, during the day. And at night, it was nice to put on a light jacket. You know, I've, I've mentioned I was not a big muscle-bound character. I would like to put a jacket on. It just kind of added a little heft to my presence. And so it was. It, it was in some ways it was even more elegant than Beverly Hills. Monterey is this very Gosh, it's bourgeois. I mean, there you take that 17-mile drive, you know, okay, the person living in that house is not balancing their checkbook tonight. It's very aspirational in many ways, and it was it was just beautiful. There's no other word for it. Absolutely beautiful. I'm going to have to talk about the setting you know, that we all experienced, and I've I've talked to some of you guys offline, and you sort of had the same impression. So that's the setting. Fort Ord, California, not what I thought it was going to be after my epic cross-country trip in uh, 1973 Toyota Man, what a trip. What an ending. What a story coming up. Like I said, we are going to uh, continue to do episodes about what we ate when we were in the field, what the training was like, what was it like in Garrison, some of these deployments, the two Panamas. Oh, my goodness, the difference between those two years, 87 to 88, of course, the Australia trip, the National Training Center is going to be the last big deployment that I go on um, with the battalion. We go out again to Hunter League in January right before I get out. But NTC, I don't know. As hard as Panama was, I think NTC in some ways was even harder. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the young officer that we all served with. Because you can't talk about leadership without talking about examples of bad leadership or, or leadership that you didn't entirely trust. And so that's going to be a great episode. And we've got some great guests coming up that will reminisce with us on Light Fighters, the last foot soldiers of the Cold War. My name is Jason Dyes, and until next episode, no slack, cold steel, Bushmasters, and Night Fighters, or Brother. Bore. Yeah.